Blog Talk Radio. And today we are going to be talking to Nancy Copel of the South Dakota uh, Historical Society Press about the revised test of Pioneer Girl. But before we get to that, we have a little bit of housekeeping. And uh, for our housekeeping, um, I don't have any programs scheduled in February, but uh, I am going to be doing another episode of the podcast for Laura Ingalls Wilder's birthday. It's going to be at 8 o'clock Central Time. It's going to be a normal one of my podcasts. But the most important thing is this is my call-in episode. So I need people to call in. And I want you to tell me how you got interested in Laura, uh, your favorite Laura activity you ever did, the best piece you have in your Laura collection, the thing that you really want to find and haven't yet in your Laura collection, uh, anything like that. So we're basically celebrating Laura and telling her or telling what she means to you. Now, I would especially appreciate it uh, calls at the beginning of the hour because what tends to happen is people hesitate and go, oh, I don't know that I want to call. And then uh, we get a bunch of calls at the end. So please call at the beginning and right before that program at 7 o'clock Central Time, the Walnut Grove pageant is going to be having a an online thing for Laura too, but it's going to end just in time for you to turn over here. Uh, and uh, this is Trundle Bed Tales, the podcast about Laura Ingalls Wilder, historic foodways, one-room schools, and other social history. This is Sarah Utoff, the host and creator of Trundle Bed Tales. Find us all around the web under Trundle Bed Tales and on your social, favorite social media platform. It, on whatever uh, blog uh, platform you use, please leave feedback because it helps people to find the show. And I do have the chat room open, so if you're logged into Blog Talk Radio, you can chat while the show is live. You can also be a part of the show by calling in. You can call in at 714-242-5253. That's 714 5253 or toll free 18776339389 that's toll free 18776339389 and that i think is the end of our housekeeping today and 
And with that, we are going to bring on Nancy. Nancy, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, uh, those of you who have caught past episodes, we have had Nancy on before, but I'm very glad to have her this time because she's got a brand new project out, the the revised text of Pioneer Girl. And I have it sitting right here beside me uh, in case we have to check something out. And uh, let's just start with Nancy for people who haven't heard you on here before. Let's uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. My, my name is Nancy Tysted Copel. Um, and I'm, I'm just like Laura Ingalls Wilder. I've used all three of my names. Uh, since I began working uh, professionally in the 1970s. I'm proud of my Norwegian family and family heritage, and so that's a way of saying it. Um, my husband is the Copel. He's the Czech. I'm the Norwegian. So that's a simple explanation of my name. Um, I have been, I began working with the South Dakota Historical Society back in 19. 19- 79. So um, it's been been a long time that I've been uh, associated with this sort of thing. Um, So um, I'm not sure if you want, oh, you wanted me to tell the story of how one of the first things that uh, led me down the Laura Ingalls Wilder path was that. I started working for the State Historical Society at the old um, memorial building in Pierre in 1979. As I said, I had uh, become friends with Bill Anderson, um, and he kept telling me that there were missing um, charcoal portraits of Mon Pa that those had given Laura had bequeathed them to the society at her death, and nobody seemed to know where they were. And um, if you've ever been in the old um, memorial building when it was a museum, you might understand how that might happen. It was never designed as a museum. It was never designed as an archive. It was designed as a memorial to uh, World War uh, I soldiers. So it was this cavernous place. Uh, with statues and, and uh, not really set up to to, um, to very unlike the modern uh, archives that the state now has. But in any case, I decided that they had to be there somewhere, and so I went on a search. And they were indeed in a cabinet that was like a map cabinet. It was a big cabinet because these are big portraits. I think they're they're, they're at least 11 by 17. And so I, I found them in there completely unidentified. They had no names attached to them. But, of course, well, through my research, I recognized immediately who they were. So that's my first wilder story. And I just love it because you recognize them. There was no label. It must have fallen off sometime over the years. And just seeing them, you go, oh, it's Ma and Pa. And I just think that is so great. Yeah. I, 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 that was, 
I hope if I saw them out of context, I'd go, oh, it's Ma and Pa, because I just think <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah, well, it was cool. It was pretty exciting. There they were. And, yes, you know, in those days they used those stick them labels, and um, that when they dried up, they fell off. Uh, so a lot of a lot of the photographs in that thing were un, unidentified in that drawer were unidentified, um, but none of them were quite so identify, identifiable as the, as the Ingle family. Well, I just love that story. Thank you for telling it. You're welcome. <laughs> Okay, so if you are somebody who does not know what Pioneer Girl is, which is uh, an important thing to know if you're going to be researching Laura or if you are just going to be uh, looking for books to add to your Laura collection, it's important to know what is Pioneer Girl. So, Nancy, what is Pioneer Girl? Well, Pioneer Girl is many things, it turns out, but what it, what it is most fundamentally is Laura's uh, autobiography, which she wrote uh, in 1929-1930. Um, it, uh, it exists in many um, forms. Um, there is the original handwritten manuscript that she wrote in 19, as I said, in 1930. She wrote it in, um, into lined schoolgirl tablets uh, in pencil, um, and it, um, it has languished in archives for four years. Um, she, get, she produced this manuscript to give to her daughter, Rose Wilder Lane, who was looking for a marketable um, product to sell to the newspaper serials in 1930-31. And so what happened next was Rose Wilder Lane took the manuscript from her mother and began to blame edited when she typed. She changed things. She, she improved the, the grammar. She, she uh, corrected the spelling. She would things around a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit. And she um, uh, changed the manuscript as she worked with it. And ultimately, Rose created three typescripts of Pioneer Girl. So what you have with Pioneer Girl is you have first the handwritten autobiography in the, the tablet, and then you have these three revised versions of it uh, that are named for Lane's agent. So they're, in other words, they're the Brandt manuscript after her agent, Carl Brandt. And then there's the Brandt revised manuscript. And then there's the Spy manuscript after uh, Lane's final um, agent, who was George C. Bai. Yes, and and the reason Rose had two agents because she decided one wasn't doing enough selling for her, so that's when she switched over to the new guy. And I have to say, Rose has a tendency to over-edit things, but I would say these were almost under-edited, you know, if if they're looking on making marketable product. Yes, indeed. They certainly were. And and they're... (laughs) 
you know, in, in Pioneer Girl, the revised text, I speculate about how, why that might have happened. Why were they under-edited? And, I, and as, as I say in, in, in that book, there are, I think there are a number of reasons. Um, among other things, Lane was in a hurry. Uh, she, she needed money, um, and she wanted uh, to get this off her plate and on to other things. Um, she edited the first one in just a matter of days um, and sent it off to her agent and, um, you know, and, and hoped for the best, I guess you'd say. But there were there were other factors as well. I don't think Lane was not feeling particularly well at that time. She was struggling to, to write her own material. She just couldn't uh, come up with fallible manuscripts, um, so I think it was hard for her to really concentrate on the editing in the way that she should have. I think there was probably a little piece of Lane that thought, oh my goodness, what wonderful material there is here, and my mother's not doing anything with it, <laughs> uh, so to speak. And um, I think there might have been, you know, it, it, Lane's and Wilder's relationship was fraught in many ways. And so she may just not have been interested uh, um, subconsciously or unconsciously, just may, may not have been interested in improving, improving her mother's work uh, as much as it needed to be. Or, you know, she's it, simply... Oh. Uh, I was just, just going to say, it, it is a lot of work to take somebody's handwritten manuscript and type it. I used to do that for my grandmother's stuff just for news stories that she, she used to write. And, oh, my gosh, trying to just get it in the right format and, and sort of the leaves at the top and the thing at the bottom, it is an awful lot of work. I'm impressed she could do even as much as she did in a couple of days. It yeah, always took I, me all night. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, in some ways, the the best way to think about Lane is that her typewriter was really an extension of her, of her hand. She, she used it all the time. Um, and she had been using it all the time since she began uh, writing for the San Francisco Bulletin back in 1915. So she, she was adept at using the typewriter. Uh, she had systems that that she she used and and that worked well, um, but I see. But you're absolutely right. She's got this huge manuscript um, that that she she has to um, reorganize as she's typing. No computers in those days to help her move stuff around. She had to do it on her own physically. The best part of computers, really, that that you can <laughs> just move things on. Though I will have to say in uh, the defense of typewriters, if you are doing revising something on a typewriter, you at least have to read every single word, and it's easy to gloss over stuff as you're moving it around. So that is, I think, the advantage of the typewriter. Right. right. Okay. Well, um, how did the press get involved with uh, – oh, no, I had one more question before that – uh, had the Pioneer Girl been available in any way before uh, the press printed it? Um, it was available in manuscript. 
you could get it through, you could get the revised text from the Hoover Library um, 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 as, simply as a manuscript. And the, uh, the, the original manuscript was available on microfilm uh, through the university, uh, through uh, the universities in Missouri. I'm not sure if it was Missouri State or the University of Missouri right now, but they were available to the serious scholar, yes. Yeah, I think it's the one in Columbia. But yes, I, it is the one. Yeah. yeah. So that's, um, that's correct. And at the moment, I I can't keep South Dakota State and the University of South Dakota straight without quite a bit of thinking. So. Well, I'll tell you, Iowa used to be Iowa State University and the State University of Iowa. They ended up yeah. changing it. You can remember that. <laughs> I know. It confused us poor mortals. Yeah. So, so uh, how did the press get involved with Pioneer Girl in the first place? Well, you know, that was a slow and, and somewhat gradual prod, process. You know, um, started editing the journal in 19, in the South Dakota History Magazine in 1979. And as I said, I... I um, met and, and published Bill Anderson's master's thesis uh, on Laurie Ingalls Wilder. Um, through him, I'm sure, um, we published the um, the uh, archivist report, first report of the collection, I think in 1984, it was, uh, of the Herbert, the Herbert Hoover Presidential Library Collection in 1984, um, John Miller. Uh, uh, Wilder's one of Wilder's early biographers um, published articles about Laura with us. So we we were we were well. I the staff and I were well aware of Laura Wilder. And in nineteen no excuse me two thousand and six established a small biography series. Um, um, and we commissioned. Three uh, manuscripts, uh, a biography of of, um, of uh, Seth Bullock, a biography of uh, Wilder Hickok and Calamity Jane, and a biography of uh, Laura Ingalls Wilder as you know key and well known um, South Dakotans. And the first one that came in happened to be Pamela Smith Hill's book uh, on Laura Ingalls Wilder. So we published that in 2007, and it was, you know, it was, it was a, it was an instant hit. It, it had all, it rang all the right bells. It was, it was small, pocket sized. It was uh, very affordable, um, and it was a well-told story. So it had, it, it uh, that started it firmly on the path, Pioneer Girl. And Pioneer Girl, of course, is just one of those fundamental sources that you have to know and examine in studying Laura Ingalls Wilder. So um, as, as that book came out and was successful, uh, you know, Pam and I, Pam Hill and I would talk, and she would say, you know, we really, really need to do something about Pioneer Girl because it, it needs to be out there. And so um, as a result of that, in uh, 1900, or 2009, I started uh, 
negotiation with the Little House Heritage Trust to see if we could get the rights to publish Pioneer Girl. And that took about, it took a good year uh, to work through all of the issues involved with that. And in 2010, we earned the right, and then we just hunkered down and got to work. Because we had we had promoted we had promoted it as a study uh, as a man, as a literary uh, manuscript. It was this thing you know we would annotate it, we would compare it, we would treat it like what it was, which is the seminal document, the seed of all the stories of Laura Ingalls Wilder's uh, career. So that's that's what we started to do. We put so, together uh, what, what I, go ahead. No, that's fine. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I put together a research team at the South Dakota Historical Society Press, and we started doing the research in archives, in the census, in uh, land records, in all of those places, and especially in the period newspapers that allowed us to to uh, create all the uh, wonderful annotations that appear in the first book, which is Pioneer Girl, the Annotated Autobiography. What did uh, the original published version look like? So not this, these three follow-ups, but the original pub, uh, Pioneer Girl. Well, it looks a lot like <laughs> A lot like uh, the first one. In fact, one of the reviewers said it had the dimensions of a pizza box. Uh, it's a big yeah. oversized. It's a big oversized book. Um, it's eight and a half. I'm not sure. Now that I say that, exactly what size it is. The size of a pizza box. It's kind of a square, uh, tall, over, oversized book. Um, it's over 400 pages long. Uh, it's done in, um, it's done so that Laura Ingalls Wilder's text runs down the middle of the page and the annotations run down the sides of the page um, so that you can can, uh, read them simultaneously, you know, side by side. Um, The thing about it is that they're silver onto the next page, and so then you'll have just pages of notes with um, Laura's text picking up later. Uh, so, how did have- you how did you decide to use that format when you're just you know handed what was basically you know typescript like any paper you'd print out? Well, you know, I think as you edit and work with the book, you start to at least, you know, I've been an editor since uh, 1979, as I said. So um, you 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 start as you work with tech to get a picture of the book in your head. You start to understand how it got so together. Like I'm working right now. I'm looking working on the the fourth book. And that, in you know, I have a clear vision of what that's going to look like when it's done. Um, I, with the very first book, with Pioneer Girl, the annotated autobiography, we um, had, and, and we, and all all these books have been designed by the 
designer, who's Rich Hendel, um, um, pretty much envisioned how this book, um, the actual placement of things for this book and what station and what what font, I mean, and what uh, point size and all those things that would help differentiate what different parts of the book look like so that you can, can tell when you're dealing with uh, annotations when we're dealing with text. Um, so we had a designer, we had a typesetting firm that, that uh, helped us make sure it all turned out <laughs> properly. Um, we had, that, that book is just loaded as well with photographs, um, you know, uh, that we spent years collecting and, and, um, and assembling. Um, it, it really, really takes a team to design a book. You know, you may have a vision for it, but to get it all to, to go together, you, you need designers, tape cutters, uh, production people. And so we were fortunate in having done some fundraising that allowed us to uh, be able to afford all those. And uh, the cover up, or cover up, the cover art for all four books, well, I guess all three you've done so far, uh, was that Judy Thompson? Yes, it was Judy Thompson. Um, I, you know, we started looking for um, an artist um, to, to uh, kind of breathe life in Prairie Story early on. Every time, uh, me and my my staff and I travel. We would be sure to check out the local galleries, uh, to art galleries, to see who was working in a in a medium and with colors that we thought would would bring the story to life. And we were fortunate enough to find Judy Thompson, who's from Orange City, Iowa, um, and, and she had, was had done a series of uh, watercolor paintings uh, that she called the Homestead Series. And, you know, I, could, I looked at that series and I thought, mm, almost, it's almost, but she said it in the summer and, and it was tough, very sure I thought it would work. Um, but then we were in an art gallery in the fall. Uh, and a, she had a picture there of, of a sandhill crane, and the palette was just gorgeous. The colors were rich and jewel-like, and, and I thought, okay, that's it. She's the one. <laughs> so I called her the next day, and um, then she started working with the covers, um, and we we did them all. At, we did them all at that time. She did. She did Pioneer Girl first, um, but then she moved. They moved through the season. Uh, Pioneer Girl is spring. Pioneer Girl Perspective is summer. Uh, revised text is fall, and the final one will be winter. So they 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 are a planned they are a planned thing as well. Uh, are can you buy prints of them if you really fall in love with the covers? Um, you can buy prints of the first one. 
Um, but they, the, um, the, our, our foundation, our, our nonprofit foundation, the South Dakota, um, let's see, South Dakota Historical Society Foundation, um, did art prints of them. Um, so the, they, they are, they're, they, they are available through the foundation. Now we haven't, that, that didn't prove to be terribly successful. So we really haven't um, done prints of the rest of them. So how are sales going for Pioneer Girl uh, to, right now? Is it still selling? Yes, absolutely it is. Um, the PBS film that, that uh, on of Loringo's Wilder last um, year really kind of uh, beefed up the profile of the book, and so it's, it's been selling briskly. Uh, since that um, film came out, so um, we're, we it's now in about its fifteenth or sixteenth printing. Um, I think it's actually between those two right now. I mean, it's um, and there's over a hundred and ninety thousand of them in print. And wow. that's a pioneer. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow, pretty amazing. Well, yeah, we talked. We spent about the first half of the program talking about Pioneer Girl because I really think you need to know what Pioneer Girl is for this book to make any sense whatsoever. But let's move on now to your trilogy set that you're working on now. What is it? Well, and what it what it is what what um, when when we finished Pioneer Girl. In uh, 2014, or actually before that, 2013, as we were winding up the Pioneer Girl, um, uh, the first Pioneer Girl book, the annotated autobiography, um, it just, it, it was clear that <laughs> that while it answered a lot of questions about Laura's working, uh, Wilder's working um, methods and uh, where the book was, it was really clear that Pioneer Girl uh, is a long way from the books themselves. There's a, there's a lot of learning that's going to take place. Laura's going to learn how to um, how to craft a novel, uh, and Lane is going to help her do that. And so the, we decided that if we were really going to do a comprehensive edition of Pioneer Girl, as we promised in our literature, that we were going to have to look at uh, the revised text as well, and then to look at the manuscripts that lead directly from Pioneer Girl into Little House in the Big Woods, so that we could see all of the early process in Wilder's career. Um, and so, um, that's what we started to do. And so the three, what you're calling the trilogy, three are those three books, Pioneer Girl, The Annotated Autobiography, which is Laura's handwritten um, autobiography. It's as, 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 as Hill says, it's as close as we can get to the author's words in her own voice. Um, the second book is then Laura Ingalls Wilder, Wilder, Pioneer Girl, uh, Revised Text which looks at what Lane did when she started to edit them. And it not only looks at what Lane did, but it looks at the ways in which Wilder contributed 
to the editing process. And so you see Lane working through these three manuscripts. And then the third volume will be Pioneer Girl, The Path into Fiction. And what that is is, is an examination of all the surviving manuscripts of Little House in the Big Woods and how they, how they come directly out of uh, Pioneer Girl um, when Lane patched together a pig, what she thought was called a picture book uh, of, of the Wisconsin chapter of, uh, of the Grant and Buy Tech. And so that's what you have is the progression through the, the original editing of the memoir into when Lane steps onto the path and begins to create fiction from the memoir. Yeah, when, when Grandma was a little girl, it's such an odd book. I, I don't know what Lane was thinking. She she did pull out a lot of good stories, but the length of it, nobody publishes books of that length. I And she should have been good enough in the publishing industry to know that. I just find it odd. But that sounds like an exciting book, too. Yeah, so, actually, it's a very interesting book. So uh, the first one in this series was Pioneer Girl Perspective. And if people are wanting to, you know, get all three, what's that one? Uh, the first, the first, there's actually four books. And the Pioneer Girl Perspectives um, came out in 2017. And that's a book of essays um, about Wilder and her writing career and about Lane. Um, and what that is, is, is after um, the, the annotated autobiography came out in 2014, there were just, uh, it seemed to me that clearly um, the Pioneer Girl was adding something to the, was adding something to the uh, body of, of Wilder scholarship and and uh, Wilder studies. So I, I decided that I would ask the top, you know, as many of the top scholars in uh, Pioneer Girls, in Wilder studies, to reflect on what Pioneer Girl brought to the table in Wilder scholarship. And that was kind of the genesis or the, 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 the kernel of what, uh, brought that book into being, and also the fact that there just were still a lot of unanswered questions uh, in my mind, at least. And so, and so, put together ten ten essays and um, from by people by, like Bill Anderson, Carolyn Frazier, uh, Anne Romine, um, uh, Betsy Jameson. And just a number of people that have worked on Wilder through the years. Um, it also contains an interview of uh, Noel Silverman, who has been the um, uh, counsel for the trust, uh, uh, the House Heritage Trust, for many years. So that's a book of scholarship, of, of essays about Wilder. It's not by Wilder, and that's what makes it different. And it's got, there was a conference uh, held in its name, which was great. Uh, and 
And I, in my book, I have everybody's signature except Laura's. So that <laughs> is one of my uh, really uh, favorite um, pieces in my collection. I just think that's great. Yeah, we brought we brought everybody together, everybody who had contributed except Wilder, uh, to to a conference in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, in 2017, and it was a you know well attended conference, and everybody just uh, did a terrific job uh, exploring Wilder for a couple of days. You should do another one. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. What? <laughs> So uh, getting back to the revised text, one of the things I have gotten asked online is what's different about this book than the original Pioneer Girl? Why would somebody want to have both the original one you put out and this book? Well, I think there are a couple of reasons. Um, For comparison, obviously, um, as I said earlier, um, Pioneer Girl Laura's original handwritten manuscript is a very long way from the books. Um, she's had she would have to mature, and she would need uh, guiding to get from there to to um, the novel that came from it. And so this is essentially the first step on that on that path. So it's so that you can compare. It's so that you can understand. That begin to understand the complexity of of, uh, of novel writing, uh, the complexity of uh, the relationship between Wilder and daughter, the daughter, the, uh, the complexity of the relationship between writer and editor, um, and that's its purpose. Um, Hens on the reader and how interested they are in the process. It's what is what. Um, the reader needs to bring something to that, too. They have to be interested in how Pioneer Girl uh, uh, transitions from a memoir by a, by a farm journalist uh, into a very successful uh, series of novels for, for young people. So, so that's... So it would sort of be like the original Pioneer Girl text you published is set up to be the history of Wilder, and this book is to set up to be the history of the manuscript and the writing process. Is that right? That's, that's right. And it's, it's actually a story of two women. It's not just the story of Wilder, the story of Wilder as the writer and Rose Wilder Lane as the editor. So who do you see as the audience for this book? Well, as I said, I think I see the audience as uh, scholars. It's, it's, a, it's a resource. Uh, it's about Wilder that people know um, is that she and her daughter left an enormous paper trail. There are a lot of uh, materials for the scholar to use. These two books, both the first one and this one, kind of sift through that for the, the common man, I suppose, um, and help them see.
see where things happened that that made a difference in the writing of the book. Um, they 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 become source books, both of them. Um, um, we've tried very hard to keep patient, to keep them uh, well acceptable to the the, the lay reader um, who is very interested in the material, but they are um, they are for those who have an interest not only in the author and not only in her characters, but in the process that led from the, the creation of the So who contributed to it? This must have been a huge project. It has been a huge project. Um, and it, it, who, the people who contributed to were the, the Pioneer Girl Project editors. And those were people who were on staff with the press, who did the research, who did the writing, who did the um, polishing and, and cleaning up. I would also... Uh, say that some of the contributors were actually the authors that uh, that contributed uh, essays to Pioneer Girl Perspectives. Uh, they brought new insights into the material, and those insights are used in Pioneer Girl, the revised text. Well, it's it's a very interesting thing. I also have people ask me sometimes online or sometimes even when I do one of my presentations about if Pioneer Girl would be okay for their kids to read. And I usually try and move them to uh, Laura Ingalls Wilder by Bill Anderson as a starting place, that if they haven't read that yet, they really want to do that before Pioneer Girl. But do you think that there is, uh, that it would be okay for, for Laura people um, who are young to read the book if they uh, if they wanted to? I I think it would. Um, you know, it's it's going to take a a, a a young person who's deeply interested in uh, Wilder and and uh, and in history because it is essentially both of them are essentially history. Uh, grounded in history. In other words, you're going to you're going to learn a lot about the times in which Laura lived and the times in which she wrote, because both those times are important to understanding uh, the material. So it's history. Um, I would say that for you know young 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 very young readers, no, it's not. It's just they're they're going to become frustrated with it. But for your 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 uh, older readers that are curious, there's just a wealth of material there for them to, to see. To so you. what what did you learn most by writing this book or at doing the editing process for it? Oh man. <laughs> Now that question I didn't expect. What did I learn? I, you know, I learned so much with each book. 
and and I learned I learned so much I guess about the craft of editing, which is really to me a, a just a it's been my life career, and so I find that fascinating. Uh, I find the 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 arguments the two women had about uh, how to um, how to present things to readers is just very fascinating. So um, I find every time I sit down to start work with it, I'm going to discover some new thing, um, some new some new material. I mean, there's so much manuscript material. There's so much. Um, I've been reading the San Francisco Bulletin um, lately, where both Wilder and Lane, in a sense, started their, especially Lane, but Wilder too, to a certain extent, uh, started their their public careers or their or their careers outside of the booth. And so it it um, it it's just fascinating and just looking and. I'm a historian at heart, so just looking at how things have changed from 1915 to 1930 when things were, when the, both Wilder and Lane were, were writing and, and working on this material, um, it's, I just find it all fascinating. So, um, you know, the thing, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I guess I, I, I just find it fascinating. Well, let's um, move ahead just for a little bit about the third book in the series. Now, you said it was uh, going to be the manuscripts uh, heading towards Little House in the Big Woods. What ones do you have that will be included? Um, there are there are four main manuscripts. Uh, the first one is Juvenile Pioneer Girl, which we talked uh, about uh, in both of the first two books. It, 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 you find it as a facsimile of uh, Pioneer Girl, the annotated autobiography. So that's the first one. The second one is uh, When Grandma Was a Little Girl, which is the cleaned up version uh, that was submitted to the um, to the publisher. Uh, the fourth one is a unedited but relatively complete rough draft of the entire book. And that's the third one. And the fourth one is a partial draft of the book. And then there are a number of fragments. Um, there's, a, there's some additional pieces that are inserted within the partial draft that um, that that will occur in the book occur in uh, in in Wilder's original uh, full draft. Is it going to be organized in the same format as this one, so they're side by side to compare? Um, yes, yeah, some of them will. They won't all, you know, I, I, it's going to be, I think, organized in two parts. So first we'll look at what Lane did, and that's the two short manuscripts that were submitted, the, the first, the rough draft, and then the short manuscript that was submitted to the publisher. Um, so we're going to look at those first side by side, and then 
Wilder essentially takes that uh, clean copy, which the publisher returns to her, and begins to cut and paste it into a longer handwritten manuscript. And and so that's the the next step. Um, Although, as I said, the the partial uh, rough draft is only uh, for uh, the, the latter half of the book. And um, it includes a piece that Lane will shift to the front of the book. So it's 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 going to be it's going to be a tricky layout again. Um, and, and I'm just not sure until the designer and typesetter get their hands on it. I'm not just sure how it'll look. So, but it, uh, will, it will be designed for for comparison. Yes. So. Uh, there was kind of a big gap between uh, when the the um, perspectives book came out and when this one came out. Uh, is this uh, next book going to be coming out quicker, or do we have to uh, snuggle up for another long wait? <laughs> well, I'm, my profound hope is that yes, it will be out quicker. Um, um, the, the 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 first the gap between the first one Pioneer Girl Perspectives actually is is in that gap. But at that time, I was working as the director of the press. Uh, I was wearing a lot of hats. Um, since that time, I've retired from the directorship of the press, and I am heading the Pioneer Girl Project and concentrating on getting these books finished. Um, so. The, the next one, I am guessing, will be out within a year or a year and a half. Yay! Yay! <laughs> so uh, when those three books come out, do you think that's going to be the end of the Pioneer Girl Project? Or do you, um, now you've got sort of a platform established, do you see it spreading out to other things? Um, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm sure it will not be the end of the project. Um, just what directions the project will take after that, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, one of the thoughts is to, to move on to the next book and um, explore the, the, um, the manuscript that created Farmer Boy, um, uh, and then you know, perhaps do a uh, textual study of each of the books in turn. Uh, that's one thought. Um, I don't know exactly how much interest, I mean, that. I don't know exactly how much interest there will be out there in that sort of thing. Um, there, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at other manuscripts uh, related to Wilder that, that you know, may may or may not <laughs> come to fruition. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the project will go on. I think um, there will be more. I just, at this point in time, can't tell you what it will be. So um, are you going to be heading it up then? Well, I'm going to head it up for the next couple of years. Um, but after that, probably not. Um, you know, um, so 
there will be other, you know, other other thoughts about where it should go. Um, so that's all I can say. You know, I'm, my, I'm, I am thinking that, as I said, I'm thinking for the next two years, and beyond that, I'm not sure. Okay. So uh, let's kind of talk just a little bit about the press and the other kind of books they do, because that was one of the reasons uh, there was, for those of you who might not remember, there was a huge demand for Pioneer Girl when it first came out. And for various reasons, the supply was pretty limited there right at the beginning. And part of the reason for that is because uh, the press is a college academic kind of press, and it uh, tends to have kind of small runs. But you have done some really great books that aren't uh, Laura-based. Uh, do you have a couple of those that are your favorites or that people might want to be sure to check out or uh, get a copy of those, too? Well, you know, the the, the uh, South Dakota biography series that includes the Laura Ingalls Wilder uh, biography is just a, a, a good little series um, that deals with people that are known beyond the borders of South Dakota. So it's, it, as I said, inexpensive. I think the books are fourteen ninety five right now. Um, they're, they're small paperbacks, um, and they, they just, um, that's a good series. Um, we've done a number of children's books that I think people should take a look at. The, the most recent one um, was called uh, uh, it's about Charlie Russell and the Gnomes of Bullhead Lodge. And it's, uh, it's uh, just a beautiful uh, story about Charlie Russell and his belief in Gnome and his uh, his uh, creating them out of creating them and their stories out of nature, and and it's just a sweet little book. It's um, it's written it's uh, illustrated by Jude Bowman, and um, and thing uh, on this fall, which will be out next year, um, are well worth taking a look at. One of them is um, is called American Ace. Joe Foss, a fighter pilot, and it's um, about Joe Foss, who was the the number one American ace during World War II. And it's a graphic biography. So uh, it's like a big comic book. Um, And that, I think, is going to be fun. And then the other book is called um, A Place for Harvest, the story of Kenny Higashi. Uh, and it's written by Lauren Harris and illustrated by uh, Felicia Hoshino. And it's the story of a Japanese family in uh, Spearfish, South Dakota, who lived there. Uh, their children were born and raised there. Um, and what happened to them during World War II. Um, and what happened was the, the son uh, was uh, conscripted more or less into an all-Japanese uh, American unit that uh, fought in the war. So it's just a beautiful uh, book of a 
of a little-known part of the Japanese-American uh, story. So I'd, I'd look those up. I think they're both going to be excellent. Well, it sounds like they are. And I will tell everybody that your picture books just are gorgeous. I got some for my niece and nephew when they were picture book age. And I especially like the L. Frank Baum children's story about the striped gopher. And if you don't, if you don't know, L. Frank Baum is the guy who created the Wizard of Oz and wrote 14 books in that series. And I could talk a lot about him, but I just think it's great because yeah. other kids' book he did has been re- uh, resurrected and brought out in the form of a modern, modern illustrated book. We did two of his. We did two of his. What they were were uh, magazine stories. They were stories um, that, that appeared in the Delineator at the turn of the century, and they were designed to be read to children by mothers uh, who used the magazine. And so we took two of those and created picture books, and we took three three additional stories by other authors. And some of those um, have been, uh, some of them are still in print. Um, the two um, based on American Indian stories, uh, The Dance and the Buffalo Soul, and... Um, uh, I can't remember the name, but the raccoon, uh, uh, story about a raccoon. Those two have, have uh, been very popular and were still in print. Well, I, I really love those. Now, you might have heard the clock. I'm not sure how well the microphone picks it up yeah, over on. <laughs> So that's sort of telling us we're about out of time. But if people wanted to get uh, the revised textbooks or the original Pioneer Girl or any of the books the press puts out, where can they find them? They can find them at sphspress, all one word, dot com. Um, And they can also uh, Follow our blog at pioneergirlproject.org, um, which uh, talks about what we're researching at various times, uh, um, announces when the books are, are available, and they, the, the Wilder books can be bought through that site as well. And the, the Laura ones only can also be purchased at the Laura Ingalls Wilder home site, though I'm sure you appreciate it when they use the South Dakota ones and when they buy it straight from the press. But I think they're great books, and I'm so glad that you put this process together and it's probably series. Yeah, I and I'm... I would just say that the home sites, all of them, have been great partners with the press in uh, making the, the, the book available to um, those who are interested. And I just uh, want to add that I appreciate you telling me your picture story again, because I, that is my favorite home site story. I just, it's, I love it. It's so great. Well, thank you. And I will put the links to the blog and the um, link to the site in the uh, description and the show notes of this episode. So 
Nancy, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I think we had a great episode today. And um, remember to brighten the corner where you are. And...